Welcome to US Rail Journeys, Series 1. Episode 8, Travelling from Havre, Montana to Red Wing on the Mississippi. We're now in Havre, Montana, which is a service stop. The train stops here for around 20 minutes for passengers, refuelling and other general servicing. The station itself was built in 1907 and in 2014 it was used by 11,300 passengers. There is also an impressive and well-preserved Great Northern 484 S2 steam locomotive number 2584 on display at the station. Stood here on the station I've been watching a train double stacked with containers passing through. I'm told it's over a mile long. It's been going through slowly and rumbled on for about 10 to 12 minutes. I would hate to get caught at a level crossing if that train's passing. When we leave the station, the train will follow the Milk River all the way to Glasgow. That is the Glasgow that is two and a half hours from here, not the Glasgow in Scotland. Ten miles south of Havre we find the Bears Paw Mountains and they extend in a 45 mile arc between the Missouri River and the Rocky Boy Indian Reservation. Fort Belknap Indian Reservation and Little Rocky Mountains are passed on our right. So as we pull out of Havre I'm with Meredith who I think is making one of the rare train journeys of her life. I am. I've never been on a train before, so this is really exciting. <laughs> Where is home? Uh, home is Washington, D.C. As opposed to Washington State that we started in. <laughs> what made you decide to take this journey on this train? That's an actual loaded question. Um, my roommate actually organized this entire vacation for the three of us, and her husband as well. And... So we were lucky enough that the wildfires didn't really affect Montana or stay all that much. You said you've never traveled by train before. Would you consider traveling by train again? Oh, yes, I would. <laughs> you don't have to worry about driving. <laughs> well, that's, that's certainly one thing. And are you enjoying the scenery that we're going through? Yes, which is wouldn't be able to enjoy it as much if I were driving. And what do you do for a living? So right now I'm actually a special ed nanny. I work with kids with special needs. That sounds very interesting as well. Anyway, thank you very much for speaking to me. Thank you. <laughs> We're now bounding across the plains. Apart from a kind of rim of mountains in the far distance, it's absolutely flat. I'm sat down in one of the coach seats talking to... Mike. And Mike, where are you from? Boise, Idaho. And how did you get to the train? Well, we flew from uh, Boise to Spokane and boarded the train there. And that's you, your wife, and your daughter? Yes. And 
Did I hear you say this was the first time your wife and daughter have traveled by train? Absolutely. And how far are you going? All the way to Atlanta, Georgia. That must mean you're changing trains a number of times. Yeah, two more times to be exact. Once in uh, Chicago, where we'll go to Washington, D.C., and then there we'll board another train and go to Atlanta, Georgia. That's quite a trek. It is. 66 hours on the train. Wow. (laughs) (laughs) So how long a layover do you have in Chicago and Washington? I think Chicago's just a couple hours, but in uh, Washington, D.C., we've got five hours. So at least you'll be able to go go out of the station and have a a quick look. We're hoping. (laughs) And is there a reason for traveling in this way, or...? Um, My uh, wife's mother lives in Georgia, so we're going to go visit the family. So you're on a family visit, but what made it with the train? Uh, Just the unique experience while it's uh, still an option. Have you traveled by train before? I have. Back in the day when it went through uh, Idaho. That was about 30 years ago. And uh, I traveled to Colorado. That must have been an amazing journey. Gorgeous. So which train was that that you traveled on? It was... The Starlight used to go through there. Ah, right. Okay. Well, thank you very much. My pleasure. It's been lovely to talk to you. On July the 3rd, 1901, Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kids' Wild Bunch pulled off one last great train robbery when they held up the Great Northern Flyer near Wagner. They divided the estimated take of $65,000 and split up forever. Butch and Sundance realised that their way of business was dying and the pair headed for Argentina. The train has now pulled into Malta, a city of around 2,000 residents. The city was the inspiration for the famous Western artist Charles Russell. Its name was said to have been determined by the spin of a globe by a great northern official whose finger came to rest on the island of Malta in the Mediterranean. One of the best preserved dinosaurs ever discovered, and one of only four that were mummified, is a 77 million year old dinosaur nicknamed Leonardo, which was unearthed just north of Malta in the year 2000. I'm with James now, who uh, runs the cafe lounge on the Empire Builder, or certainly this particular train set. And James, how long have you been with Amtrak? I'm going on 10 years now. You must like it. I do. It's been good for me and my family. And are you from Chicago or that area? Uh, Yeah, far west suburbs of Chicago. I'm based out of Chicago. Do you just do the Empire Builder or do you do some of the other ones? Uh, I've done almost all of them. Uh, Currently I work regular over here on the Empire Builder. Is that by choice or by designation? Uh, Mostly by choice. And what is it that you particularly like about the Empire Builder? Uh, The scenery, the clientele, the layover in Portland is very nice as well. A number number of your colleagues have actually said they enjoy going to Portland, so there must be something special about it. Well, it's a good city, and we get a good amount of time there, so it's uh, probably our best layover. Uh, We get the most amount of rest there, and so that's very important after a long trip. Because, of course, the trip's, what, about 50 hours? Uh, Yeah, and we do six days round trip, uh, 
two and a half out and two and a half back. So yeah, that layover is very important. And I would imagine that you're working quite long hours because you're the only person I've seen down here. Indeed. Uh, our longest day, uh, we have two long days of 17 hours behind this counter. And actually, behind the counter isn't the best place to see the scenery. <laughs> no, indeed. It, even the one that has a window, it's behind me. I don't get to see much. Anyway, uh, actually I said by yourself, it's not quite by yourself because I've noticed you have quite a lot of passengers coming down here to buy from you. Indeed. I, 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 here comes some now. <laughs> okay, well I'll let you get on back with your work and thank you very much. <laughs> thank you, sir. It's been a pleasure. <laughs> so which part of the scenery do you like the most on this journey? Um, probably the most scenic part is uh, Glacier Park, and that's Glacier National Park in Montana. That was kind of before we left the Rockies completely. Yes, indeed. I do find it amazing just how big all this agricultural area is. I mean, you hear about it, but until you see it, you don't appreciate it. it yeah, that, that's for sure. It's, uh, it's quite a country that we, uh, that we have here and uh, many different parts and, and much different scenery as, as we go along this route. Considering that you spend your life traveling by rail for work, how do you travel when you go on holiday? We, we will ride the train. Uh, we do fly also, but uh, we will ride the train if we have the time. Well, that's good to hear that at least you're keeping Amtrak busy. <laughs> Indeed. Uh, I enjoy it. Uh, my kids enjoy the train. Uh, my wife, not as much. but Seeing as this will be available through the internet and hopefully people will pick up the podcast, what would you say to encourage people to use these Amtrak services? Well, that's a good question. You, you don't see the country like this any other way. Some of, the, some of this part, uh, some parts of the country, it's only the train that goes through there. And you see a lot of wildlife. See that You see the country like no other way. Um, if, if you have the time, it is a great way to go. It does take t- more time than flying, of course, but it's a great way to go if you have the time. Thank you very much. That was very kind of you. Excellent. We're now just pulling into Glasgow. That's Glasgow in Montana, not Glasgow, Scotland. On the hillside I can see the large G standing for Glasgow. It's the centre of an area rich in dinosaur bones. The Fort Peck Museum displays various fossils found in the region. The station here at Glasgow, where we stopped just for a few minutes, was used by 4,000 passengers in 2014. As we leave Glasgow, we pass yet more grain silos by the side of the track, ready for filling rail cars. We also pass a very long freight train sat in the siding, waiting to continue its journey once we have passed. We have now reached Wolf Point, and the town had a major frontier-era role in wolf trapping and trading. It's the largest community on the Fort Peck Indian Reservation and is also the official site of the Montana Cowboy Hall of Fame and is home to the granddaddy of all Montana rodeos, the Wild Horse Stampede. West of Culbertson, we are passing the eastern border of the Fort Peck Indian Reservation, which is across Big Muddy Creek. After surrendering, Chief Sitting Bull lived here for the rest of his life. 
Culbertson is 23 miles from the North Dakota state line and 60 miles south of the Canadian border. We pass through the Montana-North Dakota state line. Fort Union was built in 1828 by John Jacob Astor's American Fur Trading Company, which traded with the Indians and shipped buffalo and beaver pelts worldwide. The fort is near the place where the Missouri and Yellowstone rivers meet. At this time we leave the mountain time zone, which is UK minus seven hours, and enter the central time zone, which is UK minus six hours. The sun is now getting lower and getting yellower. We are still passing through the Great Plains, the endless, unbelievable big sky country. Vast agricultural resources put to work, more and more grain silos, more and more sidings with grain wagons sat in them waiting to be filled and moved away as long trains to where the grain is needed. From time to time we pass some rock faces, maybe 100, 150 feet tall. They're very attractive to look at and a complete change from the mile upon mile of completely flat land. They break up the landscape and give interest to the countryside in our journey. We're now coming into Williston, which is at the hub of the Williston Oil Basin. We will see from now on many wells along the Empire Builders route. The station was originally opened in 1910 and in 2016 saw over 28,000 passengers, the numbers being boosted by the many oil production workers who use the train to get to and from their homes and work. As I look out of the window I can see the conductor scanning the tickets of the new passengers who are getting on here. We have just stopped at Stanley. We will only be here for a couple of minutes. It's a small station and it was used by 5,100 passengers in 2016. On our way into the town there was quite a large trailer park, brightly lit with many colours of lights. Dusk has fallen and as I look out of the window I can see, clearly tonight because there is no haze, the moon. We are approaching Minnow now. We have just crossed the Gasman Coulier on a high-level steel trestle. We will be stopped at Minnow for 20 minutes, as this is a service stop. It's a trading centre today. In the Prohibition era, it was known as Little Chicago, as it was a central hub for Al Capone's liquor smuggling operations. The station is Amtrak's busiest in North Dakota, and nearly 30,000 passengers used it in 2016. Late in the evening at quarter to eleven, we're passing through Rugby. The city is the geographic centre of the North American continent. There is a stone monument and tower to mark the precise spot in the town. The railway station was originally built in 1907 and in 2016 was used by 4,160 passengers. It is now bedtime, and so I'm going to tell you a little bit about the stations that we will pass through during the night. 
The first of these is a place called Devil's Lake. In the early 1990s, a period of increased rainfall began and caused the level of the lake, which has no natural outlet, to rise. The surface area has quadrupled and the higher water level has led to the destruction of over 400 homes. Just over 4,200 passengers used this station in 2016. An hour and a half on from Devil's Lake, we reach Grand Forks. The University of North Dakota campus is here. The station is located at a railway Y, and our train heading towards Chicago will turn south here. The station was built by Amtrak in 1982 to replace an older station in the town centre. The old station meant that the train had to go into town and then back out of the town again. Even though our stop here is in the middle of the night, 13,900 passengers used this station in 2016. An hour and a quarter on from Grand Forks at 2.18, we will be leaving Fargo. Named after the Wells Fargo Express Company founder and former resident, William Fargo, this is North Dakota's largest town, with over 15% of the state's population, and is on North Dakota's border with Minnesota. The station opened in 1920, and in 2016, 21,600 passengers used the station. Once we depart from Fargo, we cross the North Dakota-Minnesota state line. And sometime just after 3 o'clock, we will reach Detroit Lakes. This station originally opened in 1908, was used by nearly 5,300 passengers in 2016. An hour after Detroit Lakes, we pass through Staples. It was originally opened in 1909 and was designed by the architects who designed Grand Central Station in New York. In 2016, it was used by 6,120 passengers. Our final middle-of-the-night stop is St. Cloud. In 1917, Samuel C. Pandolfo started the Pan Motor Company here, claiming that the town would become the new Detroit because of the number of cars that he would produce. However, he was later convicted and imprisoned for attempting to defraud his investors. The station originally opened in 1909. It has an enclosed waiting room with toilets that is open each day from 4am to 6am for our train and from 11.30pm to 1.15am for the train going in the opposite direction. Those seem very antisocial hours for the caretaker. But even though the trains leave in the middle of the night, there were over 11,400 passengers using the station in 2016. It is seven o'clock in the morning and a grey dawn is breaking. One or two small breaks in the clouds and we've arrived in the twin cities of Minneapolis-St. Paul about 40 minutes early. During its heyday in the 1920s, the station hosted the passenger trains belonging to nine different railway companies. In those days, the station had nine platforms serving 18 tracks, but it was closed in 1971 and the tracks removed later. But in 2005, funding was given to renovate the station and bring it back into use for Amtrak, light rail and local and regional bus services. The first Amtrak train to use St. Paul Union Depot was the westbound Empire Builder, which stopped at the station at 11.30pm on May the 7th, 2014. 
it was 70 minutes late. And in 2016, 96,500 passengers used the railway at this station. The city is supposed to be midway between the equator and the North Pole. The city was the home of the man after whom the Empire Builder is named, James J. Hill. Minneapolis is the larger and younger of the Twin Cities. The train follows the Mississippi River for 140 miles, passing through fertile farmland, riverbank towns, barges and restored paddlewheel boats. These are scenes that have inspired visitors to the area. We also pass a system of federally funded dams and locks that tame the waterway for today's needs. The river is the second longest in the US with a length of 2,340 miles. Our next stop is Red Wing. The station, which opened in 1905, is on the west bank of the Mississippi. The track and platform are owned by a subsidiary of the Canadian Pacific Railway. It's very interesting that I've seen a lot of locomotives belonging to the Canadian Pacific Railway as we have progressed along our route. And in 2016, nearly 8,400 passengers used the station. Ladies and gentlemen, if I could have your attention, please. In about 10 minutes, we'll be arriving at our next station stop over Red Wing, Minnesota. If you're leaving us at Red Wing, now's a good time to collect your personal belongings, including checking the overhead left and right and seat back in front of you for any personal belongings you might have on board. This very brief stop. If you're not leaving us at Red Wing, please do not come downstairs at this time. Red Wing is clear for This podcast has been made by the Mr. T Podcast Studio. Thank you very much for listening.